Eric, I have great news. Great news? Did you just save a bunch of money on your car insurance by switching to Geico? No. No? No. Then what's your great news, Micah? Tell us. It's Friday. Everybody wants to know. All of the listeners out there want to know what your great news is. I was walking down the street on Wednesday morning. Uh, It was a relatively nice uh, morning, and I was making my way over to the office. I work uh, in the Rockefeller Center area, and it just so happens that this bright, sunny morning in uh, crisp air, I come across an old friend of mine who was hanging out on the street. Oh? Just uh, living life. And uh, I have to say how great it was to finally see Winter Coup <gasps> after all these months. Winter Coup. Oh, my gosh. Did you get his autograph? He's now world famous after all. He is world famous. Uh, he was doing a stint in Paris uh, from <laughs> what we learned uh, from one of our listeners over the summertime. And he's been traveling to various places around the world, and he has now found his way back to New York City. He is, of course, a very integral part of the Radio City uh, Christmas Spectacular. So, uh, Well, that is just, see, I don't know what camels are doing in the Radio City Christmas Spectacular. Maybe it's for a more worldwide thing where they're like, this is what Christmas looks like in other areas. No, well, but, you have the whole nativity scene, right? And oh! Generally takes place in a, in a desert area. A desert, it's so obvious. I should have done that. It makes you human, Eric. It makes <laughs> you human. Oh, it does, it does. Uh, but speaking of humans, I am not quite certain if one of the members of our uh, glorious uh, characters here in the, in these books that we are reading has just left the human race and joined the alien race because are you talking about the characters on our show or are you talking about the characters in the well book? the characters on in the book because I just don't quite know what to make of Jon Snow anymore I don't know I am at a loss Micah we started off this week thinking it was going to go one way, and it has taken a completely different turn into Spookyville. Spookyville. Spookyville, or the middle of New Mexico. Isn't that Area 51? That's somewhere over there. It is, I think John's an alien. What do you think? An alien? Well, <laughs> it, you know, it's it's pretty close. It It's not that far off. I mean, I don't know that he's necessarily from another planet. Uh, but he certainly has some abilities. Though I suppose that could be true, too. Hmm. Well, we don't know of any other planets outside of the one that they're living on. And frankly, we don't even know what their planet is called. So yeah. it's uh, a little difficult. But uh, he's uh, starting to uh, show signs of some abilities that we didn't quite know that he possessed. And quite frankly, up until this point, since uh, we haven't seen a chapter from the perspective of Rickon, we really only know it to be Bran who is able to warg into Summer. Uh, we've not seen anything of the like yet with Arya, uh, though she does kind of dream of Nymeria at points, uh, and we obviously haven't seen anything uh, with Sansa because Lady is no longer with us, but... Oh. It'd be interesting, though, to know if Rob ever had any of those types of experiences because we never see a chapter uh, from his perspective, so we don't necessarily know uh, what the relationship there is 
uh, with Grey Wind. You know, part so, of me wanted to say, darn it, Ned, why didn't you warn your children that they would start seeing visions? Because clearly, like, unless magic skips a generation, he should have totally prepared them for this. But then I was thinking, well, no, it's a timeliness thing because magic is only now just coming back into the world. Perhaps these Starks, was it never written that they could do this? What's going on here, Micah? Well, really the only Stark that we know about that can do this is Bran because John is a bastard, right? And and yes, at this point we're led to believe that he is Ned's son because that's what's been told to us throughout you know these last um books book and a half i guess at this point um but it, it's very very clear though that from others that we've seen in the television series that the starks are not the only ones uh, with the ability to do this there are skin changers as uh he was called at one point uh in this and we know that the eagle that they experience uh in this chapter is actually you know, being warred into by one of the wild So, now the eagle I remember from the show, but everything about John warging, I do not remember from the show. Those sneaky, sneaky folk, Benioff and Weiss, those, those Trixie Hobbitses, have somehow managed to pull a lid over everyone's eyes on John's ability to warg, which just comes into play now yeah and it it is a huge revelation uh there's no question uh for readers and those who might be reading along here for the first time or you know those who have just watched the television show and are kind of listening as we do our read through of a clash of kings this is a a big component of uh john's character the fact that he knows that he can now warg into ghosts. I mean, of, of course, it does take some getting used to. I'm sure there will be uh, many a training sessions uh, put to Rocky music uh, where somebody, perhaps one of the wildlings he befriends later, will tell him how precisely to do it. But in the meantime, it provides, this new ability of John's provides for quite the out-of-body experience uh, to John in his dream one night when they've gone to bed, shortly after uh, not much time has passed since the previous uh, chapter that we've had on Monday, uh, where John has left Egret uh, to wander off and, and be alive. Yeah, and, and let's talk a little bit about how this all comes sure. to be, because as you mentioned, he is dreaming, and uh, he starts off by dreaming about direwolves. Uh, he notes that there are five when there should have been six. Yeah, his brothers were out there somewhere. Uh, but his sister, for whatever reason, he had lost her scent. And really, five when there should have been six, of course, Sansa's direwolf has been killed. Right. And John was not, nor uh, was Ghost around uh, for when that happened. So he really has no knowledge of, of that having transpired. Uh, so that would make sense as to why uh, the it's pointed out that there are five when there should have been six. And then... He seems, though, uh, to have lost Arya's scent as well, but he can sense his brothers, which is very interesting. I just never would have thought to connect Jon Snow and Bran Stark um, before this, but now they have quite a something in common. And why, oh why, has it not been in the show? You're asking the wrong person that well, question. Well, 
I'm actually chatting right now with Cat Taylor. Would you like <laughs> me to uh, go on and uh, shoot her a message and see if she would be so kind to answer that question? Let's let's see if John gains any special abilities in season four. Why don't you just ask her point blank? Does John gain any special? Well, sh- no. It's quite possible I might get the answer, but I don't think I can share it. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, right, because. Now. Because even podcast. if I would like to know, some listeners wouldn't want to know. Well, no, uh, I, I will just... We could bleep it I out. I will just... <laughs> we'll bleep out your yes or your no. <laughs> you have a 50-50 shot of getting you it should, right. You should ask her. You should totally ask her. Say, hey, uh, does uh-huh. John have any special ability? Or does he gain any special abilities in season four? And put it in quotes. What, what I thought was really cool in this chapter, though, is what follows uh, after the mention of these these dire wolves the the fact that he comes upon a werewood after he hears his brother calling out to him and he noticed that this werewood has the face of his brother and it also has three eyes and it's mentioned that bran or who we assume to be Bran in this situation. It's not stated, which is why I'm just, it's his brother. Like what's going, I hate it when he's vague. (laughs) He had not had these three eyes before the crow. Right. And that's really what leads us to believe that this is in fact Bran. And this very important moment occurs where the tree just kind of drops its limb down and touches John. And as soon as the werewood does this he's able to warg into ghosts he's opening up his third eye to be able to see through the eyes of his dire wolf poke <laughs> poke yes poke poke <laughs> this is the equivalent of the facebook poke um having and more think what an advantage that is though you obviously ghost gets injured in this chapter but just think about the the value that that has for john for John, for the Night's Watch, yeah. the ability to you know, warg into your direwolf, which is a you know, massive creature, a strong creature, mm-hmm. fast-moving creature, which can easily scout for you as long as there's not these damned eagles flying above you that can do the same thing. Eagles which snap necks. Now, I did not know eagles do this. I guess it makes sense, um, but it's referenced that the eagle, you know, the, the wolf was frank, uh, fortunately strong and stronger that the eagle couldn't snap its neck, but the eagle wanted to. Um, yeah, look, I, I was surprised at how everybody on the Night's Watch, upon waking from this dream that John has, they ask him about it, he tells them about it, they don't think it's crazy, they don't give him shit, and when they come upon Ghost, they all pitch in getting water and healing him, because as you say, Ghost is... Uh, an asset to them and, and was before this moment because it's this fierce uh, it's a giant wolf that is on their side yes and even Corin Halfhand says to John he must know what it is that John has seen because if all this other stuff is going on you know, he references the cold winds are rising dead men are walking why should it be that John's story is not true why should it be that John is unable to connect with his direwolf in this way? There's a, a great line um, that John feels that it's it's more appropriate for one of old man's stories than for reality. Um, you know, the fact that, that he has just had this dream experience. He, he feels that way while recounting the experience. But 
I, I think it's also stated immediately after, well, we are, you know, the, the cold, north, brutal, you know, terrain that makes it seem like anything's possible because it's so harsh, you know, such a harsh climate and everything like that. So um, he's got to come to terms and rather quickly, I, I think this this will go quicker than it did with Bran because with Jon, there's not much of a choice. It's all about survival. Basically, when the men go off and find the location that was in John's dream, um, and find Ghost there, being having been attacked by the eagle that John dreamed about, um, you know, it's all confirmed. It's all like whether you do this or not, whether you wanted to do this or not, this is you now. This is what you can do, and you know, John, for the, bless him, doesn't really react to it a whole lot except the back of his head hurts, so maybe we'll give him some credit. It's the way that he's able to depict it as well to Corrin Halfhand, and that's really what makes him believe that John was able to see it for real. Because he says it's it's either that you heard Craster talking about the fact that Mance's army was gathering at the source of the milk water, and you've as a result dreamed of it, mm. or you actually saw it. And I think once they come across the eagle that's sort of perched in a way, looking down on them as they make their way towards the milk water, they realize that, in fact, they are being watched. And that's only confirmed further by the fact that Ghost is is injured and they find him and they treat him. Well, Quarren um, has sort of a sixth sense about these things. Interestingly enough, um, he is able to take one look at the eagle and order the men to retreat. He says, we've been spotted. Um, The fact that the eagle, he is able to basically deduce that this eagle is, in fact, another human. Um, You know, who's, at least I believe that's what he's reacting to. Yeah, it's kind of unclear at this point. Um, We obviously know from having seen season three of the TV show that, in fact, is uh, Oral, Mm -hmm. who has the ability to warg into this eagle. Uh, But one could also just take out of it that perhaps they're, able to train birds like eagles to scout and to, you know, based upon how they come back, uh, you know, maybe like they do one talent up or two talents down. <laughs> I don't know what the, what the, yeah. the appropriate signal is. Yeah. But uh, you're right. Corn is, is very, he's very simple minded, but I think at the same time he's, he's practical and he's, he's very, very intuitive and, he knows right away, just like he knew that John had let Egret go, uh, which he didn't seem to react very much to. And you know, he even made the point: if I had wanted her dead, I would have done it myself. Gosh, that's or I would such have a sent Eben to do it. We have to talk about how big of a cop out that is. That is, John gets away scot free every time, <laughs> every time, every time. Not I was expecting. We know this. We talked about this on Monday's episode. I was expecting some huge blowout um, regarding John's just simply letting Igrit go. And when he goes up to Corrin, and Corrin's like, you you let her go. And John says, you know. And he says, well, now I do. Um, Corrin doesn't well, care. The important thing, Corrin though, is that... Corrin doesn't care. Corrin just wanted to know John better. The important thing, though, is that it told him what kind of a man John was. That's it, not important. Yeah. Well, for character development, it is. The thing, though, that the reader doesn't know is what kind of a man is that. You don't necessarily know if that's a positive or a negative thing. 
Well, okay. I, I We foreshadowed this, or we mentioned this too much, I think, on Wednesday's episode to not go in a little further and, and talk about it. But essentially, John is able to tell, because Quaran asks him, why did you let her go? And John, from the horse's mouth, as I said before, actually tells us why he let it go. So certain listeners, certain listeners felt that John was being honorable, that honor struck him, and he let her go. The truth may have something to do with Ned after all. Here is what Jon Snow says. John says, My father never used a headsman. He said he owed it to the men he killed to look into their eyes and hear their last words. And when I looked into Egret's eyes, I... John stared down at his hands helplessly. I know she was an enemy, but there was no evil in her. Quarren says, no more than in the other two. John says, it was their lives or ours. If they had seen us, if they had sounded that horn, Quarren says, the wildlings would hunt us down and slay us, true enough. John says, Stone Snake has the horn now, though, and we took Egret's knife and axe. She's behind us, uh, afoot unarmed and not like to be a threat Corin agreed that is bullshit that is <laughs> just because you can take a wildling's axe you can take a wildling's sword you can take the north out of a wildling but you cannot take the wildling out of I said that backwards look the wildling is still dangerous she still knows where they are and if it weren't for the events of this chapter in which they are spotted by the eagle who's also a guy um they would be up Schitt's Creek because they would have been spotted. Their location would have been revealed anyway because the very first thing Egret is going to do from climbing down from that mountain after John let her go is to use the secret passages that she told him were there to go and find her men and send everybody they've got to their location. And not to mention now that they've also been spotted by an eagle. I mean, this conversation obviously takes place prior to that, but that definitely doesn't help their situation. Perhaps the eagle was sent out because Egret was able to communicate with some of her wildling friends, who in turn were able to communicate back to Mance Raider, who had Aurel send this eagle out after Corin, John, and the rest of the crew. I didn't quite think about it like that. Um, because ultimately, look, it does amount to the same thing, though, which is why I feel that John is getting off easy. I'm sad that it's not a bigger deal. I'm sad that it's not a bigger deal that John let her go. Corin doesn't care. He's not going to slap him, and they all get spotted and decide to retreat anyway by the end of this chapter. So yes. it really doesn't matter. But what lends credibility to what you were saying, though, is this all stems out of a conversation that Corrin and John are having about Mance Raider. And we yes. learned that he was once a wildling, and he was taken into captivity during a raid, and he was sort of raised and became a member of the Night's Watch. And we learned that, really, he was one of the best. And he ended up returning to his roots which I found to kind of be in parallel with John right because Mance is somebody who was born a wildling and returns to being sort of this wildling king John was, grows you know as a member of the Night's Watch you know, kind of switches sides for a little bit and then comes back to it uh, at the end of season three so I thought it was kind of an interesting parallel there uh, but one of the things that Corin mentions about Mance is that he never learned to obey. And yes. John says, no more than me. Mm. And that's what prompts Corin to say, so you let her go. And the key word there is obey. Mm. 
and John chose not to obey. Yeah, and uh, to be fair, I I don't think it was this great honorable thing that he did. He misjudged her, he, or he just simply made a judgment call. Um, it wasn't necessarily weakness either. It was just a judgment call where he said, "She's not dangerous to me. I shouldn't kill her." Um, right, and it's it's a situation where he makes a misjudgment, and it will inevitably come back to bite him in the ass. Well, I hope so. But, I mean, with them being... <laughs> hope so. Well, with them being caught, though, or with them being seen, what difference does it really make? I mean, if anything, it should endear Egret to John and work in his favor in the future. Because, sure. Because he was And we've kinder. seen that it has. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, but the other thing that he doesn't really consider in, in this situation, though, is that it also puts at risk the lives of all the people that he's with. And that's probably the larger issue here, even though at the the time, Corrin Halfhand doesn't seem to care too much. And, you know, we talked about before how he said, you know, if he really wanted it to be done, he would have left Eben to it or he would have done it himself. But John poses the question, why did you command it of me? And Corrin says, I did not command it. I told you to do what needed to be done and left you to decide what that would be. And I just thought that was so powerful because that's free will. You know, John has the ability to do what he wants to do in that situation, despite the fact that he's beholden to the Night's Watch. Corrin tells him what he should do, but ultimately it's John's decision, and this is a decision that will have massive implications in the future. It's it's really just a weird mind game to be playing on top of a mountain, Um so far north. An ice mountain. An ice mountain. An ice mountain. There's an ice lake. It's a weird mind game to be playing with the ranks to just let John do whatever he wants. But look, and, and, and people may think that on this episode I'm complaining a lot or scorning some of the writing that's going on. I'm really, I don't mean to. Um, and certainly nobody's saying anything ill against George R. R. Martin. I think I'm, this is my annoyance with John. And probably my annoyance with John alone, but it's just it's just my opinion, and I really I do. Don't, I don't think it has anything to do necessarily with the author. It's just yeah, it's you, this you're particular analyzing a character, and you don't particularly like the things that he's doing. I think that can be said of a lot of characters that we come across in this series, and I like most of them, but just not John. Yeah, fucking weird ones, <laughs> but just not John. Um, so th- that's that's really it, uh, you know, for me on 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 the comment. I feel the need. Uh, just to state, yeah. look, I, I disagree with how John handled that, but you know, I, I do look forward to seeing in the future what I'm just completely. Can we go back to this whole warging thing that all of a sudden he can warg? What? Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be uh, interesting to watch how it plays out and how it factors into uh, John as a member of the Night's Watch, uh, as we know. Uh, he also joins with Mance Raider uh, later on, uh, as we've seen on the television show. So, will it factor in there at any point? Maybe you know, Arell... will it allow him to communicate with his brother on a regular basis, with oh. other family members on a regular basis. That's the thing: basis? is the next Bran chapter. I want to see if Bran is waking up, going, "Oh, that was a nice talk with John," <laughs> um, yeah, or wiping his head and going, "Duh, John let her go. I can't believe it," or something funny like that. Um, I- I think it begs the question, though, and it'll be um, you know good to keep an eye on. What about Rickon? What about Arya? And and 
what about Rob? Which uh, Sansa ones? Starwolf is obviously dead. Yeah, but which ones can't do it? And uh, if 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 uh, I'm sorry, if Bran can also go into a crow or go into Hodor, maybe they don't need their wolves after all. That maybe Sansa could warg even without it. Although obviously, I think a direwolf is an easy link for them because they're already so close and familiar. Um, that sort of thing. yeah. I I feel like it's the um the conduit almost for them to be able to learn how to do it into other um, beings or inanimate objects. Or well, since when does Bran do what it? What have you? Since when does Bran do it into trees? Come on. Well, since this chapter, obviously. Yeah, I mean that's and it's but it's a weirwood tree, of course. It's just like the children of the forest that that we recently learned the Starks may be descended from. So. And just another thing to throw out there too is what does that say about these weirwood trees that they can be warged into? It means they're alive. Well, all trees are alive, or were at one point. But it means yeah. That but think about all the different places that these trees exist throughout Westeros. Oh God! Uh, you could have a spy post. You could have a series of wargs, like a dozen wargs in a round circle. Varys needs to become a warg. And then he could really spawn as many people <laughs> as he wants to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, instead so of instead I, of a little birdie told me, he's like, a little birdie that was nesting on one of my branches told me. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, I, I mean, I think that really kind of wraps up this chapter. And uh, Oh, yeah, short chapter. It was a short chapter. And for me, my own of this chapter, and Eric, I had a feeling it might be the same as yours, but we'll find out right now. Oh, no. I really have to give it to Squire Dalbridge <laughs> because he does the ultimate take one for the team. And he decides that he is going to stay back with as many arrows as possible and fight off the wildlings who are now upon uh Corin and John and the rest of the crew. Oh no, that wasn't my that wasn't the reason I gave him the own. Uh I got to find the quote. <laughs> Oh, because of his dreams? Yeah, yeah, this was great. Um, Squire Dalbridge earlier in the chapter is talking about how it's always pretty women in his dreams. He always has these good dreams about pretty women. Um, would that I dreamed more often. So John wakes up from his dream. The whole camp takes it as uh, as as reality, as, as this just happened. Squire Dalbridge, ever the one to own this chapter, he's owning our socks off, says... Does this mean my dreams are true as well? <laughs> Lord Snow can keep his mammoths. I want my women. <laughs> so I'll, yeah, he he definitely had some great moments uh, in this chapter, no question. We did get uh, some own submitted uh, via Twitter, which you could all do by going to twitter.com backslash game of owns. And Borden wrote in at boskier eighty seven. To say, I have two owns. All right. The first to Bran for opening John's third eye through a freaking werewood tree. Poke. The second is to Ghost for smelling Bran's location. He smelled death in parentheses. Also through a freaking werewood tree. Um, what? I'm not sure on that second own. So the, uh, the quote that he is referring to says he sniffed at the bark smelled wolf and tree and boy but beyond that there were other scents the rich brown smell of warm earth and the hard gray smell of stone and something else something terrible death he knew he was smelling death 
he cringed back, his hair bristling, and bared his fangs. So, is he smelling death on Bran? Is that what that deal is? I don't, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I can almost smell Winterfell. <laughs> Not myself, but <laughs> that's kind of what I thought of. Yeah. Because of everything that's going on there. I think a lot of the uh, imagery that was just used there can kind of tie back to everything that's happening at Winterfell. Sure. So, uh, I would I would say that um, that's uh, that's definitely an interesting own. And, uh, you know, something that we didn't talk about earlier, but uh, a good thing there to point out. Now, some of us were surprised by the events of this chapter, I myself included. However, others, including Karen Smith, were not as surprised. She writes in, My own for John 7 goes to John for finally opening his third eye and getting down to some serious warging. Finally! Finally opening. Finally. Gosh, it's about time that Jon Snow Damn would warg. Who was expecting this? I was. <gasps> Sam! Fleeting Hi. fleeting Sam. Hello, Sam. How are you? Let's talk about Jon's special gift. Okay. Does he do this at parties or campfires? Did anybody know besides you that he could do this? Oh, this was a surprise to me. Oh, my gosh. It is just unbelievable. Yeah. Tell me, Sam, do you have any special tricks? Well, you'll have to read on into the books and find out. Are you a werewolf? Oh, well, that's what the ladies say. <laughs> thank you, Sam. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you, Eric. Hey, do you want to continue reading some of these owns we've gotten? Sure. The next own comes from Vicky, who says, John doesn't need the blood of the dragon because he can walk into a dragon think about it wow that is trippy yeah that is pretty interesting doesn't need the blood of the dragon because he can warg into a dragon so now we have uh two wargs that we know about so does that complete the three-headed dragon oh gee i don't know there is another skywalker i love yoda (laughs) Me too, Sam. Me too. Now here's a theory. This one's from Manaquin on Twitter. What if Old Nan is the missing Stark daughter from long ago who never left Winterfell? Interesting. I don't know. I mean, what if? You know, she never left Winterfell. Do Starks typically leave Winterfell? And missing Stark daughter is... Is there an older generation of Starks who are the keys to to the world? How old would that really make her, though? Going back to that story from Bale the Bard, I mean, that that would make her pretty freaking old. I know she's old, but oh, I mean, that Stark daughter. Yes, that's that's who they're uh, referring to from uh, the chapter we read. Uh, actually, it was oh um, my god, the John chapter on Monday. Well, hey, I mean, if she can survive throwing herself off of a tower, I really wouldn't worry about a little thing like eons and eons of time passing between then and now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so the uh, the next tweet uh, uh, actually is related to something we talked about at the top of the show. It's from Jen Wyman, who says, So, does Winter Koo's appearance in New York City mean he's moved on from commercials and we'll see him on Broadway soon? <laughs> well, technically he is a little bit off-Broadway at Radio City, but 
yes, uh, you can purchase tickets to see him, uh, I think, probably from now and through the end of December. He's got a one-man, two-humps show uh, <laughs> <laughs> called One Man, Two Humps, as a matter of fact. and uh, Yeah, I don't even want to touch that. Ticket so, uh, <laughs> Okay, I, I. that's uh, that that that's ra- wraps up uh, the uh, the tweets and the owns that we received, and uh, we do have another message here though, which we received on Facebook. Jason Snodgrass, a regular scrawler upon our Facebook wall at facebook.com backslash Game of Owns, he says, "Just heard the podcast." He's referring to Wednesday's show. Is it me? Or is the whole Sansa Hound thing kind of like a Beauty and the Beast story unfolding? Little town, a quiet village, every day like the one before. Uh, sure. Uh, I'm a, I and 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 I'll be I'll be joining Winter Coup on uh, Broadway, as it turns out. Buy your tickets yes, now, uh, Eric Ticketmaster and Winter Coup. Take New York. So. Uh, it's it's definitely a, a good question from Jason. I think uh, de- for sure there's there's no uh, there's no question that there's a bit of that written into this particular uh, storyline. And just like that story, there's a little bit of softness deep within the hound or the beast, as it were. That makes all the difference. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Living as a freak, the way Tyrion does, really softens you. Um, I think that's the same with the hound. And finally. We uh, received an email from Rami, and uh, that's just another way that you can contact us like they did, contact at gameofowns.com. We will, of course, as we've read tweets and Facebook posts, we will read your emails as well. Eric, would you like to read the email? Yes. Dear Goo Crew. Goo Crew. I like that. We're going to wear shirts that say Goo Crew on the back of them. At our next live event, I think. All right. Dear Goo Crew, I hope you've had a chance to watch the past two weeks of South Park, as they have been based on the Song of Ice and Fire. The episodes have been pretty hilarious and have been titled Black Friday, after Black Water, and A Song of Ass and Fire. Okay. If you haven't seen them yet, you should check them out because Matt and Trey have done a pretty good job of poking fun at Uncle Ray. As a warning for Eric and Zach, there are a few spoilers mentioned during the episodes, but they're mixed in with a bunch of utter nonsense, so I doubt you would know what was a legitimate spoiler or not. I have listened to your podcast from the beginning and appreciate all the work and dedication you show to the series. I also appreciate the chapter discussions, as I find I catch little nuggets during this reread that were lost on me before reading the later books. I can't give any specifics without spoilers, but needless to say, George R.R. R. Martin does like to foreshadow. Keep up the good work, and thanks for making my commute more enjoyable. Hmm. Well, thank you, Romy, for listening to us. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate uh, you writing in, and of course, in addition to all the ways that we've mentioned up until now, you can leave us comments on winnerscoming.net. We do scroll through those from time to time and read them on the show so feel free to leave your feedback on each of the episodes that are posted over on winnerscoming.net and finally we want to remind people that we are in fact on iTunes yes we are and we did get a review so I'd like to read it we got a review Micah your threat paid off it did finally uh, after uh, a few days I know sometimes you get busy with work so 
uh, you know, you're not able to take threats seriously and uh, write out your reviews in uh, a 24-hour period. So here we go. This is written by Leslie, who loves Rose Leslie. So I wonder if this is our good friend, Leslie Dingledine. Oh, I hope so. I think it is. Uh, her title, Now That Winter Coup Has Finally Arrived Stateside. Oh, somebody's been paying attention to the latest episodes and our Twitter feed. She goes on to say, Many moons ago, I listened to some of you every week discussing and analyzing Potter news and books. <gasps> I waited in lines for book releases and midnight premieres at the same time as you and read the final saga alongside of your crew. I now find myself in the quote-unquote on season, again waiting with you for new seasons of Game of Thrones and waiting for new books. I'm so delighted to say that you, Game of Owns podcasters, are ever just as relevant, entertaining, and so darn cool. As my literary interests have matured, you all were right there with me. Three times a week you bring a deeper understanding and analysis of the amazing world that George R. R. Martin has created, and I am so grateful for it. Carry on, gentlemen and lady. Winter is coming, and may I just add, for old time's sake, constant vigilance. Oh, thank God she didn't say pickles. I was going to throw <laughs> up. <laughs> but uh, thank you, thank you, Leslie. Leslie. That's always great to hear. Um, you know that we have some listeners who have been with us on previous podcasts um, and podcasts that we did for close to eight years, and now you're here listening with us on Game of Bones. So uh, thanks a lot for putting us in your ear holes on a very, very regular basis over the last uh, almost decade or so. Yes, and speaking of decades, we are certainly in the teens with the character who we hear from next week, which is, of course, Tyrion. We get Tyrion 12, followed by Catelyn 7 and Theon 5 are the three chapters we will be reading come next week week yeah it's how crazy. exciting is that it's yeah we're we're heading towards the end of this book now and uh blackwater fast approaches Ooh, is the next one blackwater no it can't be well it might be leading up to we will find out though next week as you mentioned so be sure to send in your owns for those chapters we will of course read them on the show respond to them and uh you know, we always like to hear what you guys have to say. It's true. And just once again, contact information for us. Email address is contact at gameofones.com. Twitter, twitter.com slash gameofones. Facebook, facebook.com slash gameofones. Just Google search Game of Owns and you'll find all sorts of cool stuff, including winteriscoming.net and our very own uh, Game of Owns website, which is very highly decorative. Yes, it is. And uh, as we just read, you can leave us a review on iTunes in the month of November. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable. Uh, and before we leave you here this uh, weekend, we'd like to remind you that uh, LeakyCon 2014 is taking place in Orlando, Florida from July 30th through August 3rd. We will be there. Uh, we have plans in the works, and uh, we will discuss that further uh, uh, at, at a later date. Right, Eric? Uh, once we once we confirm and, and, and figure out what, what it is that we will be doing, but we will be there. Maybe I'll warg into an eagle and sit on top of a tree that somebody else has also warged into. Well, if you warg into an eagle, you don't have to pay for airfare. Ooh, there you go. Gosh, I'm so jealous of John right now. Or Orel. Whoever he is. We haven't really met him properly. In the so place. we encourage you to go over to LeakyCon.com 
and to check out uh, what the convention is all about. If you haven't heard about it before or you've heard about it but haven't attended it in the past, it's really a great place uh, for all different fandoms to congregate and um, really meet each other. And, uh, you know, a lot of us connect with connected with each other over the internet or through listening uh, to a podcast or just around a particular topic. And, you know, it's always nice to finally meet people uh, in person. Drew dad. Well, we want to thank Sam for joining us yes. uh, unexpectedly for this episode. Absolutely. Uh, I thought he did a great job with that tweet. Yeah, that was excellent. <laughs> we should let him do more around here. Yeah. He, he was on vacation for a little bit. Uh, so uh, he's, he's back now and uh, he'll be more, of a regular part of the show as we move forward. Yeah, I wonder why he wasn't in these two John chapters. Oh, that's right. He's not north of the wall with all of them, is he? No, he is, but he's just, he's back at the Fist of the First Men. Oh, back at the Fist. <laughs> that sounds uh, so bad. Yeah, it does. All right, well, um, uh, this has been fun, but uh, it's time to go. I hear the strings time. starting to play. Ooh, the strings, the strings, the strings are calling down by the glen. Yes. All right. Well, have a great weekend, everybody. I'm Mike Atemio. Auf Wiedersehen. I'm Eric Skull. We will see you Monday. Monday.